I'll be reading from Acts chapter 8, 35 and 36. Then Philip opened his mouth, and the beginning of the scripture preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the life he lived, the death he died. And especially, Father, we thank you for the resurrection that gives us the hope of living with you forever. Father, we have so many people that are sick, so many people who are suffering. We pray that your richest blessings will come on them. Father, specifically, uh, we know you know what they need, so we ask that you provide that. Hazel Holloway and Laura Carter, Ken Castleman, Sandy Eaves, Steve Thompson, Christina Todd, Corey Crabb, Taylor Tatum. All those folks have, have issues with, with health, and we pray that you will heal them if it's your will. Father, we have families that are suffering losses of loved ones specifically Pat Coomer and Morris Mabry, and we pray that you will comfort them as only you can and help us to do what we can to add to that comfort. Father, we thank you for all of your servants here at Jefferson Avenue, and we pray that you will continue to bless us with opportunities to do your will. Father, we, we pray for our ministers, missionaries, all of those who attempt to spread your gospel. And we pray that we won't just leave it up to them, that we'll help them with with what they need to do and that they'll help us to spread your word to our community. Father, as we continue to worship, we pray that we'll do this in in spirit and in truth so that you'll be pleased. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'd like to mark in your handbook, we'll sing number 655 after Andy's lesson. Prior, prior to Andy's lesson, we'll sing number 531. Praise the Lord. I should have already turned there. 531. Praise the Lord. We'll sing. Praise the Lord. We'll sing all four verses. Let's stand as we sing this before Andy comes to deliver the message. <clears throat> Praise the Lord, ye heavens adore him. Praise him, angels in the height. Sun and moon rejoice before him. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Alleluia, amen. 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 Praise the Lord, for he has spoken, worlds his mighty voice obeyed, laws which never shall be broken, for the guidance he hath made. Hallelujah, amen, 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 Praise the Lord, for he is glorious, never shall his promise fail. God 
may the saints victorious, victorious, sin and death shall not prevail, not prevail. Hallelujah, Amen. Hallelujah, Amen. Amen. The God of our salvation, hosts on high his power proclaim. Heaven and earth and all creation, creation. Lord, and magnify his name. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, amen. Amen. Good morning, church family. It's good to see you. Glad that we can be here together to worship our God. If you're visiting with us, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you. I appreciate you taking the time and showing us how important God is to your life. I know we have some college students who are coming back, and I know as we have are finally probably just about out of summer, pretty much everybody's back and not so much traveling, so it is good for all of us to be here together. It's good for us to be together, to worship God together. It's good for us to recognize this morning just who our God is in our songs, in our prayer, as we listen to a portion of God's word and as we worship uh, the creator of all things this morning. Before we get into our sermon this morning, I want to uh, remind you or tell you about an event that's coming up uh, four weeks from today. Uh, Four weeks from today, September the 11th in the United States, that's Grandparents Day. Uh, And we're going to have a Legacy Sunday as a part of our family month that will be on Sundays uh, during the month of September. So uh, next week, I will, Lord willing, uh, have some postcards. And grandparents, what I'd love for you to do is to send a postcard to your grandkids and invite them to come and be a part of us for Legacy Sunday. And uh, grandkids will have postcards for you to send to your grandparents uh, to invite them to come and be a part of that day. Uh, That day we'll have normal Bible class, normal morning worship. We'll have a, uh, a meal together, and then we'll have, uh, that's the second Sunday. So, uh, David, it's second Sunday singing Finger Food Fellowship. Lots of S's, lots of F's. Uh, but that's the second Sunday, so we will do uh, a service uh, following our meal in the small auditorium where we will have a singing. So that's on Sunday, uh, September the 11th, Legacy Sunday. Hope that you will come and be a part of that and invite your grands, whether they are grandkids or grandparents. Hope that you'll take the time to do that. This morning we're talking about baptism. I believe there is a God. I believe when I look at uh, creation around me uh, that that makes more sense to me that someone, some intelligent designer made that rather than it just happening by random chance. Uh, I believe that that God, because humans have morals, I believe that that God is a moral God, a God who instilled within his creation the idea of right and wrong because throughout time and throughout generations and cultures, wherever you are in the world, there is a sense of right and wrong. So I believe that the God that there is, that I believe in, is a good moral God. I believe the Bible is that God's Word. I believe that because as I look at the Bible, there's evidence within the Bible and outside the Bible that proves that everything that it says is true. That the people, the places, the events, the doctrines that are taught there line up with a good moral God and line up with the realities of the world that we live in. 
I believe because I believe in a God. I believe He's a good moral God. I believe the Bible is His Word. I believe that Jesus is His Son. I believe that because the Bible teaches that. But I also believe that because outside of the Bible there's proof that a man named Jesus lived in and around Jerusalem around 2,000 years ago. There's no doubt that He lived. There's no doubt even from secular history that He died and that the tomb was empty. I have chosen to believe because of the evidence within the Bible and outside the Bible that that Jesus did not just leave His tomb but he left this tomb alive. I believe that Jesus is the resurrected Son of God. I believe what the Bible says about itself. I believe the Bible is God's Word, that I can trust it, that it has everything pertaining to life and godliness, Peter tells us in one of his letters. I believe that the Bible is inspired by God, that all Scripture is inspired by God. It's breathed out by God, and it's profitable, it's good for reproof, for teaching, for for correction, and for training in righteousness. I believe, again, as Peter says in one of his letters, that the process of that inspiration, or the way that we got the Bible, was not by some man or some woman's opinion being put on paper, but men being moved by the Holy Spirit of God spoke from God. I believe when you read the books of Genesis through Revelation in your Bible that you are reading the very words of God. If I believe that, then I have no problem with baptism. Because in the Bible, it's clearly taught multiple times that baptism is important. And we're going to look at a lot of those verses here in the next few minutes. And I've got them in your, uh, you're listed in your notes in your bulletin. I'm going to read those to you. I won't take the time to, to flip to all of them, but I hope that if you uh, aren't familiar with some of these, that you'll review those uh, today or tomorrow in the days and weeks to come. If you've got questions about any of them, please let me know. But I believe that God teaches that baptism is important, so important, that I think in some ways, and ironically perhaps, that having a sermon like we are today, about baptism is a little bit inorganic. It's a little bit unnatural. And I say that because in the Bible, you don't just see conversations about baptism. I can think of one conversation that is about baptism. That's when Aquila and Priscilla take Apollos aside and tell him a little bit more about not just the baptism of John, but baptism into Jesus. But most of the time, when baptism comes up, it's not a, it's not a conversation. It's certainly not a sermon, not a Bible class about baptism. It's really about, let me tell you the story, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and that leads to baptism. Now, there's a reason that we talk about baptism today. It's because not everybody lines up with what Scripture says about baptism. Some of our religious friends don't line up with what baptism, what the Bible says about baptism. So we want to talk about it and have a conversation and make sure that we're all on the same page. And I don't want to be on your page. And this morning, listen, I don't want you to be on my page. I want us to line up with what God says on the pages of the Bible. When we think about what baptism is and what it means for our life, And what we should do about it in our own lives. So it's a little bit inorganic and and maybe even unnatural for us to have a a Bible class like we did this morning about baptism. Though I had a great Bible class that John taught. And 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 even the sermon a little bit is a little bit inorganic or unnatural. But it's an important topic because we need to be on God's page. And we need to be prepared to tell other people about what God says about this important topic. Here are some scriptures uh, that speak of the importance of... Of baptism, I've probably got eight or so here. Again, they're in your bulletin. I hope that you'll take the time to, to look at these. You can turn to them with me if you'd like. First Peter chapter three and verse twenty-one. First Peter chapter three and verse twenty-one. Here are scriptures that speak to the importance of baptism. And again, lots of us will be familiar with most of these. First Peter three twenty-one. 
He says, corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. Not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, let's notice a few things here. It doesn't get much more plain than it says, baptism now saves you. So there is a relationship inherent between salvation and baptism. This is one of just about all the verses we're going to read uh, today that say the very same thing. There is a connection, an intimate connection between salvation and baptism. Now it says, corresponding to that. I want to talk about that just briefly. He's talking about Noah and his family being saved uh, in the flood. And I had a Bible class this past Wednesday that we talked about this, but let me ask you this question. Was Noah saved from the flood or by the flood? Was Noah saved from the flood or by the flood? Well, the answer is yes. He was. He was saved from the waters. He didn't drown in the water, so he was saved from the flood, but he was also saved by the flood. He was saved from the sinful world by the flood. In the same way, corresponding to that, baptism now saves us. Not the removal of flesh from our, or dirt from our flesh, but we are saved from our sins through the flood. And both of these things, the flood and baptism, are works of God. God chose the flood to save Noah and his family, the only righteous man he could find on the face of the earth at the time. He chose the flood to perform the work of saving Noah and his family. And today, for Christians, he has chosen baptism to be the work in which we are saved from our sins, where our sins are washed away. And that's in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12, where it describes baptism as the work of God. How about this verse? You are familiar with this probably. Matthew 28. 18 through 20. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we often refer to it as the Great Commission. This is what Jesus says at the very end of his life as he's about to uh, ascend up into heaven. Some of the very last words that he says to his followers. It says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, his followers, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Since I've got this authority, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Here's again another connection between disciple of Christ and baptism. And let me suggest to you this morning that the reason you are baptized is because you have decided to be a disciple of Jesus. Because baptism is something, here is one example, that Jesus commands, and I've made up my mind to become a disciple of Christ, to become a follower of Christ, and therefore, he's told me to do it, and therefore, I do it. Mark 16, 15, and 16, very similar passage, but says it just a little bit more plainly. Mark 16, 15, and 16. And Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. Again, there's that connection between baptism and salvation. We know in Acts chapter 2, verses 37 and 38, Peter there is preaching that first gospel sermon. He tells them about the fact that they missed Jesus. And he's talking to a group of Jews who have this promised one, this Messiah that has been promised for generation after generation after generation. And he finally comes as they have been longing for him to come and they completely miss him. And they get it and they realize it. Oh no. Not only did we miss him, not only is he not here anymore, but we killed him. Not only did we kill him, we killed him on a cross in a horrible, painful, terrible way. And what's their response? What can we do? What can we do? And Peter tells them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The problem, the answer to our sin, the answer to their sin on that day 2,000 years ago or so, and the answer to our sin today is what? Repent 
and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 8, which was read to us earlier that we'll reference a couple times today, Acts chapter 8, verses 35 and 36, this Ethiopian eunuch, a man from, from outside of, of the, the region of Jerusalem, outside the region of, of Israel, but seems to worship the God of the Hebrews. He makes the, the trip from, from Ethiopia, and he comes, and he's worshiping God, and he gets a, a book, uh, a scroll probably from the, the prophet Isaiah. So he has... Uh, the same book that you and I have in our Old Testament called Isaiah, and he's reading it, and Philip goes up to him and says, hey, do you, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, well, how can I, unless there's somebody to teach me? And it says, from that scripture, he taught him Jesus. And this is important. This is maybe one of the most impactful things to show us the importance of baptism. It says that he took from that scripture in Isaiah, he preached to him Jesus. And what's he preaching? Jesus. And they're traveling down the road in their chariot, it seems, and there's some water that they're passing by. And the eunuch says, not Philip, not the preacher, not the teacher, but the eunuch has learned about Jesus, and he sees water, and he says, hey, there's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip goes on to say, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And they go down, and he's baptized. Preaching Jesus included what? It had to have included baptism. That's the conclusion that the eunuch came to. There's a connection between preaching and talking about Jesus and baptism. Like I said, just talking about baptism is inorganic. It's unnatural. But talking about Jesus always leads to baptism. And there's an example of it there. In Acts chapter 22 and verse 16, Paul is uh, recounting his conversion story. In Acts twenty-two sixteen, and he's been there, and you remember he was on the road to Damascus, and he's going there to, to arrest Christians and to throw them into prison, and there's this bright light that shines, and it blinds him, and eventually he goes into the city, and he's there for about three days. What do you think he's doing those days? As Jesus has just talked to him, right? And he, he was someone who was a persecutor of the church, a persecutor of Christians. If he would have had the chance, he certainly would have been a, a persecutor of Jesus himself. But Jesus speaks to him in this amazing vision. What do you think Paul is doing those three days? Weeping, begging, praying. But what does the man of God tell him to do? Acts twenty two sixteen. Now why do you delay? Get up and be baptized. Calling on the name of the Lord and washing away your sins. Paul was already a believer in God. He knew more about God than you and I know about God, probably. He was a Pharisee, a Pharisee, a Jew of Jews. He knew the Old Testament far better than any of us probably do. He certainly at this point was a believer in Jesus. He certainly had prayed to God for the forgiveness of his sins in multiple times, in multiple ways during those three days where he finally found out, oh, I've been messed up. I've messed up. I, I was persecuting the Son of God. And he's told, why are you delaying? Get up. And be baptized. Baptism was that important. As a matter of fact, in the book of Acts, in our New Testament, those, those 27 books in the book of Acts um, is the history book. And this is an important thing to think about as well. When, when, I, when I say that I don't want you to be on my page and I don't want to be on your page, I want us to understand what God wants us to do in, in this, in this, on this topic. This is important. In the book of Acts, which is the history book of the New Testament, every person we read about, listen, every person we read about in the Bible becoming a Christian, we read about in the book of Acts. Every person we read about actually going from not a Christian to becoming a Christian, every single one of them we read about in the book of Acts. And in every single one of those instances... The person is baptized into Jesus for the remission of their sins. That's the way people in the first century, when the church started, that's the way they became Christians. That's the way they became members of the church. And we need to do the same thing today. 
Lastly, in in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, as we think about these verses that speak to the importance of baptism, we have the example of Jesus himself. Matthew 3, 13 through 15 says, Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John. This is John the Baptist, his cousin, who's a a precursor, a pre-runner of Jesus. And it says he came to John to be baptized by him. Now John knows who Jesus is, maybe before anybody else does. Notice John's response. But John tried to prevent Jesus, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, Jesus, and do you come to me? But Jesus said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus gives us the example that being baptized is a way in which we fulfill all righteousness. If I believe there is a God, if I believe the Bible is his word, If I believe Jesus is his resurrected son, and if I read scripture, I cannot help but see the importance that God in his word places upon baptism. But this morning, it's also important for us to recognize what baptism is and what baptism is not. So let's start first of all with what baptism is not. Baptism isn't all there is to it. Without the thoughtful decision to commit oneself to Christ that leads to it, baptism is just getting wet. And without the daily denial of yourself and picking up of the cross following it, baptism is an empty act. Now in our fellowship, we have focused on baptism so much because there are other of our religious friends who don't focus on it or think it's important at all that sometimes I'm afraid we could be guilty of worshiping baptism rather than worshiping the one we're baptized into. And we need to be careful of that. Baptism's important. Scripture says that it is. But the reason baptism is important, because we're baptized into Christ, and that's where the work of God happens that saves us from our sins. There's nothing special about that water. There's nothing special about uh, who baptizes you necessarily. That may be emotionally important, but it's not scripturally important necessarily. But being baptized into Christ for the remission of our sins, these things are important. And being a disciple of Christ, that is important. And I have to make the decision before I get baptized, or at least that's the examples that we have in Scripture. I make the decision before I get baptized that I want to follow Jesus. Not only do I want to be saved from my sin, yes, I'm baptized because I want to be saved from my sins and that's where it happens, but I want to follow Jesus. And so he's taught me, he's commanded us to be baptized for the remission of our sins, so we'll do that. But then after that, he's also taught me to, com- to follow all the commandments that he's taught. So I have to continue to daily live for him. Baptism isn't all there is to it, but what is baptism? Let's notice first of about three. Baptism is a work. Now, some of you, when I said that, you're like, wait a second, Andy, baptism's a work? That's what our religious friends say. And they, they look at it and they say, well, baptism's a work. And we know from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 that we're not saved by our works. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we're, ba- we're saved by grace through faith apart from works so that no man may boast. Baptism is a work, though. It's just not a work of merit. It's not something that me doing this makes me deserve or earn what I get from it. Instead, like I've said before, baptism is God's work. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12. God's grace saves us. It is his work. And he has decided to do that in baptism. Baptism instead is an act of obedience. And we have in, in the Old Testament, and again, I don't think this is accidental, we have a perfect example to show us the importance of being obedient in order to receive what God has offered to us. In Second Kings chapter 5, there's a man named Naaman. 
And he's a powerful man. He's a, a wealthy man. He's the, the leader of the army of the king of Aram. And he's a powerful, powerful man. When he uh, said go, people went. He said hey, come, people came. And, and he, he's a powerful man. He, he comes to Elisha, the prophet of God. And the riches that he brings to this man from the king. king the king has, has, loves this man so much, Naaman, that he gives him a, a treasure. A, a large ransom to pay for this blessing that Elijah supposedly can give to him to be healed of this leprosy that Naaman has. It's a large, large amount of money. But what is he told instead? Again, those of us who are familiar with the story, remember that he's come to Jerusalem, or he's come to Israel, and and he goes to Elisha, and he wants this, uh, Naaman would like to have this this big show of of, uh, him waving his hands and almost saying some sort of magical or important words. But instead, Elisha says, hey, go down to the River Jordan and dip yourself in it seven times. And Naaman is upset about it. Because Naaman is an important man, and he wants to do important things. And his response is, we've got better rivers back home. The Jordan's an old, dirty river. Why would I do such a thing? And, but thankfully, Naaman has a servant who says, listen, Naaman, if he would have asked you to do some great thing, if he would have asked you to go conquer some kingdom or defeat some enemy, you would have done that easily. Why not just do what he asked you to do, this simple thing? And Naaman humbles himself. He goes down to the River Jordan. He dips himself seven times, and he's healed of his leprosy. Did Naaman earn that blessing? No. He didn't earn the blessing. It was, it was told to him by the prophet of God that if you'll go and do this, then you'll receive it. He didn't earn it by acting obediently. He didn't earn it by submitting himself to this direction that he received, but he did gain access to it. And in the same way that he gained access to this blessing through being obedient, we gain access to the salvation that God offers us, the cleansing of our sin, the grace of God that saves us in the way in which he has told us to gain access to it. And that's in baptism into Jesus Christ. Baptism isn't all there is to it, but baptism is the work. It's the work of God. And we have the opportunity to simply follow the directions that God has given to us. Baptism also, secondly, is the way that we get to be in Christ. How is, why is that important? In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27 it says, For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. What's the, what's the importance? Why is it important? Why, why, does scripture say anything about the importance of being in Christ? Yes, of course it does. It says quite a bit about it. If you want to turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, you can look at verses 31 through 39. Again, a, probably another familiar passage. It's the passage where it says, uh, Nothing can separate us from the love of God, neither height nor death, nor angels, nor principality, nor things present, nor things to come. It gives just a, a huge list of all of these things, some good, some, many of them bad. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And it ends it this way. Well, where is that love of God? If nothing can separate us from the love of God, and I want to be in that love of God, where is it? And it says in verse 39, the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. It's important for us to be in Christ Jesus because that's where the love of God is. It also says at the beginning of that chapter, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Again, the, the point of that is, thinking about condemnation, well, what's, what's the root there uh, to be condemned? You can think about it if you were uh, charged with some crime and you were found guilty then you would be condemned to pay some sort of fine or to pay some sort of time in jail or something like that. That would be your condemnation. But there's no condemnation 
Even though we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, how do we get in Christ Jesus? Again, Galatians 3.27 says we're baptized into Christ Jesus. But the Bible says more. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. Where are the blessings, the spiritual blessings of God? They are in Christ. We need to be in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Baptism is how one gets to be in Christ. There's no condemnation. There's no separation. We're a new creature. That old self has been done away with if we're in Christ. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. We'll take the time to read these first few verses here in Romans 6. Again, probably a passage you're familiar with, but let's think about this. Thirdly and lastly in these points is the idea that baptism is how one obeys the gospel. Baptism is how one obeys the gospel. Romans chapter 6, let's read verses 1 through 5. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who die to sin still live in it? Okay, well, talking to Christians here, how shall we who die to sin still live in it? Well, we need to answer the question, well, when did I die to sin as a Christian? Verse 3, or do you not know that all of us who have been ba- were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we became united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we too would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been justified from sin. We've got this idea here, this picture here really that in baptism we are recreating in our own lives the gospel of Jesus Christ. We die to ourselves. We're buried in baptism and we raise to walk in newness of life in the same way that Jesus died, was buried, and was resurrected. That is the gospel of Christ. In baptism, we reenact the gospel of Christ. Why is that important? If you have your Bibles, you can turn here. I'll read it to you. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9 says this, talking about Jesus' return, the day of judgment. It says, The Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution, listen, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who have not obeyed the gospel of the Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord. Not only those who do not know God, but those who have not obeyed the gospel of Jesus. Well, the question has to be, well, how do I obey the gospel of Jesus? And Romans chapter 6 has told us how we obey the gospel of Jesus. In Acts chapter 8, Verses 35 and 36, again, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch are studying and traveling together. And it says there, then Philip opened his mouth and beginning from this scripture, the scripture in Isaiah that he was reading, he preached Jesus to him. And as they went along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? I want you to to understand again, as I've said a a couple times already. If you're talking to your friend about becoming a Christian, if you're talking to a neighbor about becoming a Christian, baptism is not where you start. It's just not. That's not the example that we have in Scripture. It's not the best way to do it. 
we want to be followers of Jesus. And Philip has this, this beautiful idea where he, he picks up exactly where the eunuch is, and from where the eunuch is, he shows him Jesus. And the eunuch comes to his own conclusion, okay, well, I want to become a follower of Jesus. There's water. What prevents me from being baptized? We need to understand the importance of baptism. The baptism puts us into Christ where all spiritual blessings are, no condemnation, no separation. We need to understand the importance of, of baptism where that's where we uh, are baptized for the remission of our sins. That we've got this sin problem, all of us do, and that baptism is the way that God has chosen for us to access the grace that will save us from our sin. I can't read the Bible and what it says about baptism and come to any other conclusion. Now, maybe some of our friends have, maybe some of you have. But I can't read the Bible and not see the importance that God places upon baptism. But baptism is not all there is to it. If you've been baptized or if you haven't been baptized, remember that without the thoughtful consideration of thinking about, I want to follow Jesus, and because I want to follow Jesus, and because he has said that I need to be baptized into him for the remission of my sins, that's why I'm going to be baptized. And for those of us who have been baptized into Christ, without the continual daily decision to follow Jesus, to lay aside all else, to pick up the burden, the responsibility of following Jesus, and doing our best imperfectly, but faithfully to follow him, then our baptism won't do a whole lot. We need to make sure that we are, have decided to be followers of Jesus. And the examples that we have, the teachings from the Bible that we have, says that followers of Jesus are baptized into Christ for the remission of their sins. What was the question that the, the eunuch asked? It says, what prevents me from being baptized? This morning, maybe, you would ask a similar question. What prevents me from being baptized? And I would say nothing. Nothing prevents you from being baptized. You need to be thoughtful. You need to consider if you really want to be a follower of Jesus. But if you do, nothing is preventing you from being baptized. Do you believe the gospel of Jesus? Do you believe that he's the resurrected son of God? Are you willing to, to change your life, to stop doing things that are the things that you want to do and to start lining up your life with the things that God has told us to do? If you want to repent and, and walk in newness of life, then you can do that. Do you, are you willing to confess Jesus as Lord? And, and let me just stop here and say that I think that this idea of confession, it's not confessing that you believe in God. That's not the, the thing the Bible teaches that is a part of becoming a Christian. It's the confessing that Jesus is Lord. He is Lord and then recognizing and owning him as the Lord of your life. Meaning, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And I won't do it perfectly and I'll fail and I'll fall short. But my goal and my aim and my efforts are all centered around following Jesus because he's the Lord of my life. If you're willing to do that, then you can be baptized. There's nothing preventing you. You can be baptized, even this morning, into Christ for the remission of your sins. I would much rather sit down and talk to you about this than preach this to you this morning. But it's something we need to think about from time to time and talk about from time to time. 
So this morning, in just a second, Andy's going to come back up here. He's going to lead us in a song. We're going to stand, and, and our, this is just our practice. This is what we do here. We're going to stand and sing this song, and the idea is that that makes it easier that if you want to respond to God's call, God's invitation, that you can come forward and you can talk to me and let me know what's on your mind, what's on your heart. We can pray for you about that. If you're ready today to commit your life to following Jesus, we can baptize you into him for the remission of your sins, and you'll raise to walk a new life forgiven of all of your sins. We would love. There, there is nothing better that could happen today in your life or my life than for someone to be baptized into Christ this morning. We would love for that to happen. But if you're not comfortable coming down front, see me afterwards. If you don't want to be here in the midst of a large crowd and do that sort of thing, let's talk about it later. Give me a call. Send me a text. Baptism is important. The Bible shows us that. Baptism into Christ is for the remission of our sins This morning, the question is not about the importance of baptism. The question is, do you want to follow Jesus? And if you do, what changes do you need to make in your life? Your church family here at Jefferson Avenue wants to help you however we can. If you're visiting with us, this church family wants to help you however we can. If you have needs or if you need prayers or want to talk to us about the gospel of Christ, we would love to have that opportunity. If you have any needs this morning, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.